you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. Hello, how are you doing, sir? Good morning. Fine after a long weekend. Had a lot of fun. Had a lot of uh, accomplishments. Good. It, it went <laughs> way, way too quick. <laughs> Boy, is that true? I, we, you go in on a Friday thinking, man, I got this many sleep-ins and this many long days not to worry. And then, ah, it's Monday night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just flew by for me. I was, I, I went to the RG. I took some games down uh, that I yeah. wanted to play. And I was pulling back out of the car yesterday to put away. And I'm like, it seems like I was literally just walked out here and put them in the car. We've, we've had that occasionally where even after... Kind of, we've been, we one time took a three week vacation up to the Dakotas and back. And it really seemed that it was until like at least the Wednesday of the first week that we were really on vacation, that otherwise it was still detoxing. Yeah. So I had stressful jobs over the course of our lives. And sometimes vacation was such a necessity to just get your mind off of what do I have to do, the 10 things I have to do today, and what's all, all that kind of stuff. And we weren't great vacationers. We often would still, uh, check email, check voicemail, that kind of stuff, because oftentimes you have a job that if you let it sit for a couple of days, it doesn't just sit, it like festers. So yeah. how many times before we'd head out for a hike in the Dakotas, we'd be just take an hour to make sure that everything is fine. And then for the rest of the day, we can say, hey, we were out of range of being able to do that. And I always had a theory that, you know what? It's really important for people that, that work the job to let people know what it's like to not have them. You need to disappear once in a while for a couple of weeks just to say, wow, they really know a lot of stuff and they're very handy to have around and they're a calm voice in a crisis and all that kind of stuff and let them miss you a little bit. You know what I mean? As Sometimes. long as that's what happens and you don't get the, oh, you were gone. Things went really well. You sure you <laughs> want to come back? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the danger. But uh, Kali and I have never had that experience. We almost always, when we got back, it was, thank God you're here. We And and I don't know, Colleen has had any number of, I usually didn't have a backup. Usually I was the one that was running things or that I made sure that there were people that were working on things while I was gone. Colleen had so many times that she was the backup for other people and would make sure that for the company, things didn't fall apart while they were gone. They just didn't do her that same courtesy. Yeah. It was maddening to see how many people took the vacation thing really seriously and then didn't back her up when she needed that too. And, so, and the, the problem with IT is it seems like no matter what, hmm. the minute you want to do something on an afternoon or you have a, an appointment somewhere or you take a vacation, that's when things blow up. It's like some universal right. law that uh, everything works fine for a month. Great. I'll go on vacation Monday morning. Hey, this is down. It's not working. We need you to look at it. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you don't know how many holidays I had to jump on a server for a, a little bit because there was a problem. Absolutely. And just to, to delve into this for a little bit, I've had Almost always places that I work in, we had a big release coming up. They talk about what can we do? When can we do it so that there's the least amount of impact on our customers? That's going to be like, what, Christmas Eve, New Year's Day? Oh, yeah. How many times I did releases when everybody else in the world was relaxing and having fun. My, my one, I had a, a pre-IPO job out in California that they, there was their tradition to do big releases just when it was going to queer everybody's holidays you know what i mean it was really going to screw things up and it's funny because in the news lately you've probably been reading burning man had a real tough time this year because they had rain like in what the, is the, the driest desert and so you know those things that are pushing into nevada where they just don't traditionally have this they really got like it was a mud bath for seventy thousand people really the reason for mentioning that is a lot of folks that i work with at topica were burning man devotees they were really good about enjoying that lifestyle the techno music the survivalist aspects just good people we had a jerk roland who like insisted on there being a labor day weekend 
And it was the risk here is that you're going to lose like a third of the company because they're not going to freaking do this. And, and some people just feel the need to exercise that. You know what I mean? When I, Colleen had a boss once, not to her, but to a, a, an associate of hers, she pretty much said, well, you're just getting married. You don't need to go on your honeymoon. Like, what in the world are you talking about? Who even thinks to ever say that? And yet there are crazies in this world. Yeah. And so besides that really terrible aspect of it, we've also had, I don't know, in vacations nowadays, it really is. You can do your stuff from almost anywhere in the world. Right. So while we were doing, we do our, our we have an upcoming comedy festival later this month. You know, we have the, the JFL, the Just for Laughs in Toronto. And we've nowadays in any hotel, you get reasonable Wi-Fi. You can usually have a little bit of desk to work on and stuff like that. And because shows usually don't start, like on weekends, they're all day. But on, otherwise, it's seven until one in the morning, seven at night till one in the morning. We often just said, let's keep our things going and not worry about it. There's tourism and things to do in Toronto, but it's okay to take an hour to keep things padded into place so that nothing blows up, like you just said. And I remember this was like 99, so extreme early of e-commerce on the web. And I was working for a company and there were three of us and we developed an in-house e-commerce Essentially, it was a printing and marketing company. They do brochures and pamphlets and business cards and stuff for other companies. So the idea was that we would have kind of a membership-only accessible area for all our clients that they would log in and say, I'm with so-and-so company. We already have the logo and they put their name in and it creates a custom business card that fits for the customer. Something that seems, oh yeah, that's easy now. Back then it literally was starting from a blank page. And me and the two other guys, we spent six months working on this, trying to get it all working, which was a different landscape back then. There was a lot to figure out and do. Boy, and, I remember those days of trying to just maintain state between web sessions. You oh, know yeah. Like, find out, are you going to do this with a cookie or gonna, whatever else it might be? It was not packages nowadays. You can just say, give me an e-commerce site and right. I'll swap things in and out as I want. So yeah, especially all. a customized <laughs> thing like this. And the heads, uppers, management, whatever, never really looked at it. We'd give them updates and reports and say, okay, great. Tell us when it's ready, blah, blah, blah. So literally <laughs> December 23rd. When everybody's packing up to leave for the the extended holiday time, we get called into the big boss's office. They're like, we just looked at this. It it doesn't have what we need. We're like, what do you mean? That's exactly what we talked about six months ago. Oh, things have changed. And we looked at it. We want this. And that's not going to happen because it's due like January 15th. And they're like, we know it's got to be ready. Okay. We've been saying for six months. And they said, you guys are just going to have to work through the holidays and all the week between and all that. And Again, we're going to be saying that we've sat yeah. on it, collected it for six months. Now you guys are doing uh, Yeah. Uh, and, and, and my boss looked at him and said, no, my guys are not doing that. I'm not taking it away from them. We've worked for six months. If this isn't what you want, then we need to sit down and figure it out because we did exactly what you said. You haven't told us anything else. So that's right. Uh, it, that's and the whole and the reason thing, for oh, yeah, change orders and exactly the really process that goes behind any custom consulting right. gig. You and, can't and, just keep on a whim changing what right. the spec. And it was all in house. And they're used to if we have a business card, you make a business card look at great, or, or if not, make this change, and it, it's still done within hours. But this was not that we're going to be hours. We already spent six months. But yeah, I've been there. I've been done all that. Exactly. I just. <laughs> And so a couple of things in brief, I had a client once that kept happening. I kept showing up with a prototype of what we had discussed and it doesn't take that long to, to whip out a prototype one or two weeks. Every single time I got there, they, it was a, an, an advertising and arts studio and they really do a whole bunch of stuff, which is like throw paper up on the walls and here's ideas and brainstorming and they right. never stop brainstorming. And so I just had to keep explaining to them sometimes the kinds of things you're asking for it isn't i blue instead of green it's i gave you this beautiful christmas tree and you don't want to rearrange ornaments you wanted a fir instead of a pine and like the guts of what you're asking for are drastically different and one of the only consulting jobs i ever walked away from because it didn't change after months of those that perpetual cycle of how about this how about this try this we want this now and and like them saying and I, you know, consultants do this too. You don't throw anything away. You listen to what they have to say and you do their new thing. And then when their bright idea is actually an idea that they discussed two months ago, but they forgot because they're a little bit flighty and so creative and so right. forth, 
there's any number of times that I was like cobbling things back together from cadaver parts of previous versions. Oh, and then man. they go, how come this isn't working? It was working last week. Oh, because I changed the function that it calls. Now I got to go redo the assignments so that it calls the new functions. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, this is weird, sad to say. So the, the way I decided to pull the plug was it was really stressing me out. I had never had a client that wasn't happy with my work. And I actually got in a, an accident. Someone like rear-ended me on the way to a client meeting. And I'm on the Kennedy Expressway going into the city. And I had to call this guy and say, I'm not going to be able to make it because of this and they were like how about tomorrow then <laughs> it's, as you might imagine i'm not even sure my car is drivable i'm the fact that i'm calling you right after i called my insurance company is because i'm a decent consultant that's trying but let me find out what it's going to take and and the fact that it, even that next taste of i'm in the middle of a crisis here and all they're thinking of is when's our next fun session and a little bit weird I, at one point, I really was fascinated with a company called IDEO. I think that's how you pronounce it. They do professional brainstorming. They're great at taking companies that have stagnated products that were always the same, and they're trying to make a breakthrough into a new thing. And they really do have professional people, all these methodologies for how do you think of things in a new way? How do you combine things in a way that's never been thought of before? If you're going to design, a new, and it was even like written up in Wired Magazine, if you're going to design a new shopping cart, like pretty much every shopping cart everywhere is the same. But what if you don't just want a big container, but would right. you have individual cells for different products? What do you do with kids do they, and, and all that kind of stuff? And these were the guys that specialized in that kind of stuff. And I'm really good at brainstorming and synthesis and idea association, making those kinds of cool jumps. And then I really thought I would be the guy that would do this to other people, that I'd have all these cool ideas. And I'd say, okay, we were going past the idea state to the prototype state. And then would I be the jerk? I'd be the guy that's saying, by the way, we had a few more ideas. And if you're a fountain of those kinds of ideas, I guess you really can't turn it off. You know what I mean? Part of how I have a sense of humor is because my mind is always playing. It's always thinking of odd associations and that kind of stuff. And it's not like I'm crazy and can't not talk like the Joker cackling or something like that. But it definitely is a way of looking at the world. And sometimes you need that kind of effervescence of ideas. And sometimes you need the people that are going to say, you told me what I want, and I'm going to do exactly this and put their head down. And I think I can wear both those hats, but I didn't want to be the one inflicting pain on others either. So, so you mentioned the the fountain of ideas thing. It's funny you say that because over the weekend at the RG, I hosted an author panel and Bill was there, Bill Keith, and several other new authors whom I met. And it was a good time. Unfortunately, the one I was really excited about was the 10-year-old boy and they canceled. That's a whole nother okay. story. But it was funny because Bill brought up the, the the question that authors always get asked is, where do you get your ideas? He's like, where, where do don't ideas? I get my ideas? They're everywhere. I forget that it's more like you have to turn off the fire hose. Right. Oh, I'm staring at a blank page and nothing's coming. Okay. And I even said, yeah, I think I had 10 ideas this morning before the the uh, round table. Some, sometimes you get an idea and you got to write it down because it's just gold. Other times you just get an idea and then you wish you had written it down. And sometimes right. you have ideas and then you don't even remember what the idea was. You, yeah. Just it's like that for, for story or plot lines. It's like that for music. Sometimes the universe will give you a gift and you get a little musical snippet and you have to, like you said, write it down or just record it. You know, I wonder yeah. if Beethoven had a tape recorder. He'd be like, okay, don't forget this one. Dun, 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 dun. Those things just come to you in some ways. Oh, go ahead, please. You go. No, I, I, let, let's go into the RG thing because you had so many cool oh. activities going on. One of the things that I wanted to mention that's interesting about vacations is what you just said about sometimes things need maintenance by people and they choose to break just when you don't want them to. I also know what happens is, so I, my best friend Stu was an officer for a bank and they had forced vacations for everybody. Some people actually give up their vacations because they like their job or they just made, they have family in the area and they take staycations or whatever. But the reason that they do that is sometimes schemes require every day, somebody maintaining that second set of books putting in those false transactions, whatever else it might be, that's part of how they fraud, do commit fraud against the bank. And he was there for at least one of those instances where an elaborate thing, years long, wasn't revealed until both the principals, there were two, not one, cooperating to get this thing done, that they were both on vacation at the same time. And it was like, everything got revealed. What What's going on over here? And so in some cases, it's interesting that if you need that day-to-day 
infiltration and you're not allowed to have it, things can blow up on you too. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so very much. that's self-defense for companies. You know what I mean? That, that especially, I don't know, we've talked about this in Mensa once in a while because of my having had experiences in IT and stuff like that. You, you don't make the person that's spending the money the same person that's responsible for auditing the money. You have to have checks and balances. It's such an elemental thing. It's not distrust. It's not like everybody should be willing to prove, yes, I am a good steward of this group's money. And somehow we've fought against that in the United States. There's so many places that are wanting, what do they call it? Self-auditing. Red flag immediately to me. No, make sure you have somebody who's not involved, if anything, actually adversarial about all these important things that are going on, because that's how you know the books are, are going to be good, that somebody's checking on people. Right. And man, how many times, like when people get caught, they're like, it, it was a crime of convenience. You know what I mean? Nobody was checking. And I was like, well, why not some for me? Why can't I wet my beak? Right. And wow, people really are that venal that week that they're like, if nobody's watching, I can do this. It's sad, but it's true in some right. cases. And it doesn't even have to be, I just want. It's more, wow, I'm putting through kids through college and they don't pay me enough. And think of all the justifications you've heard for why places commit fraud and stuff like that. But it, that's the way you still, the way you prevent it is by having some financial statement that matches because somebody said, I looked at all the transactions, they are all indeed legitimate according to GAP, generally accepted accounting principles or whatever else it might be. So anyway. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, well, yeah, the RG went fine as far as i'm concerned it had some of the typical drama that you get with menta at times that i try and avoid okay. it was a little it's smaller days long, so it's usually a, a, a bigger thing than other rgs because you get that extra labor day which is nice yeah you know. and, and that's okay. part of what the the problems were is that the prices have gone up and the hotel cost more and some people protested that saying we should have been able to get a better deal but mm. we also weren't getting as many people signing up so you can't promise a thousand people and then only deliver 200 to the hotel because then you have a huge bill you got to pay and then That's it's in right. some rgs people cook food but if nobody's willing to cook the food you either have to go out or you got to pay for it somehow right. you know it's almost just, always catering is you know twice as much as if everybody yeah. does home cooking and stuff like that. yeah exactly yeah. there was some of that grumbling and that and was, yeah. but Personally, uh, my talks all went well. I actually, they were picking on me. Are you actually going to do a talk? Because you're like involved with all of these other things, but you're just like on the periphery. I'm like, hey, isn't that how the big wigs do it? They they get the the other people to do the work and they just introduce there it to go. look like they're part of it. I said, I, <laughs> and I told, I said to say, well, I was doing the round table, asking the questions and getting the authors. And I knew if I had too many people answering questions, that roundtable would go for hours. Uh, and I only had a few questions and the D or somebody yelled, hey, why aren't you up there answering questions? I said, because I elevated myself. <laughs> to supervisor. I'm going to say Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Okay. I got to play in, oh my gosh, like eight to 10 different games throughout the weekend. Learned how to play Mahjong for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. One of the posted pictures, maybe Amber put it up or something like that, was the chart they had up so that people can learn what are the sets of the various different things, right. what, what are the jokers, if, if you know what I'm trying to the wild cards, yeah. kind of thing. It, okay. it, it was difficult because I had to constantly think, just in interpreting the pieces I'm looking at, not even trying right. to put them together, but what is this piece? And that made it a difficult game. I said, if we changed all the tiles to hearts and clubs and spades and stuff, it would it'd be like, okay, no problem, because I don't even have to think about those. But so it was interesting. I almost won the Dominion tournament. I was very close. I was oh, sad. You love that game. But yeah. a lot, one of the joys of going to a RG I've discovered is if you love gaming, there's lots of other people that love it too. Yeah. And don't just love them. They're very accomplished at them often. So yeah. I get all snooty about hey within certain groups of friends i'm gonna win every word game that ain't the case when you go to no. people that are fantastic at scrabble and boggle and mad gab and whatever else it might be <laughs> it's kind of cool to be like wow i these are my people because i'm i'm it's a challenge absolutely it's a challenge yeah. 
And it was, it, I had self-serving motives. The only reason I wanted to win the Dominion tournament was so I could go tell my son, see, I won the tournament. Uh, but I didn't. So now I got to try again. <laughs> but you were a good second though, see? So that, yeah. <laughs> it, it was very close. The points are, you can buy eight point cards, five point cards and one point cards. And I was only three behind the winner. So it okay. came down to less than one duchy. It was pretty close. And then the next person was like at 29, I had 34. So that was only you know one card difference between who won and not very exactly. close. Okay. So fun time. And then yesterday we actually came back late Sunday night and I went to the flea market and did some relaxing stuff tomorrow. Okay. Or yesterday. Pittsburgh's not that far from Cleveland. So we had really thought about if we don't go for the entire weekend, are we going to go over there a, a specific day? And just as we saw, what we wanted to do with the family, what we wanted to do, just the two of us work on the house. It got hot. So let's hide. We just didn't do it. And and, I, and we haven't been to the Pittsburgh RG in 10 years, probably, even though it's quite close and usually really a good one. And yet, at some point when we said, we can't go to 10 RGs anymore, we got to go to two or three and pick the ones. It, somehow, as good as Pittsburgh is, it wasn't like Halloween, which we always go to. That's probably the given. We often go to the AG and then we often do Dayton, or Columbus, maybe mostly Dayton, because it's early enough in the year that after you've had the doldrums of winter and stuff, right. and you're really itching to do some Mensa. It's a good time. Right up, and that's a good time. So yeah. that's how it's been. Sorry, Detroit. Sorry, and, Pittsburgh. And Others. there's <laughs> been talk back and forth. There are people saying, we've always had it this weekend. We love the four days. We want this weekend. And others are like, but... People don't come because it's a holiday weekend. They have other plans and everyone grumbles because all the time, a cookout or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone grumbles because the average age is 60 and they're like, we need more kids. We need more young people. You're not going to do it on a holiday weekend. Move it to another weekend and you might get more of those. Yeah. So yeah. I try and say all the politics just because it's not <laughs> worth my time to argue about it. And it's not even my home area anyway. It's worth discussing for a moment. RGs have become harder for many of the reasons you already said, hotel costs have gone up, you know what I mean? So people attending the contracts you can get with hotels. It used to be that we could do a lot of our own hospitality and that was a way of keeping food costs down. But nowadays places are particular about the use of their kitchen or about the liability they take on or they think they take on yeah. in case they're letting you serve your soup, but somehow because it's on site. So a lot of those things, it the and the number of room nights that you have to guarantee and how I know that we had at least a couple of RGs and an AG that really got hurt by they had a main hotel and an overflow hotel and a lot this is a weird thing a lot of people used to like reserve five or six rooms and then dole them out to their friends they knew their friends hadn't thought about it yet so they would get them and then make sure they could all be together or whatever one year we had it where a whole bunch of people did that and they didn't make a point of giving those out to people they just canceled them so what we thought was going to be all these room nights was suddenly one in five one in six and we were still on the hook contract wise for all that kind of stuff so they did some negotiation with the hotel and we didn't take a total bath but it's amazing how if you're trying to do a break-even event or make ten thousand dollars profit so that you can sponsor whatever the things are for the next year you're trying to keep that fund of what you right. need to do the preparatory work it's just amazing how one bad year can queer the deal, not only for next year, for years to come. So I know if there's any number of local groups that used to do it. We're going to make enough money so that we sponsor other local events and next year's RG. And then they're really, we're in danger of, can we do an, an RG next year if we don't have the slush fund? How yeah. are we going to, you take on more risk? And that has been the case for Cleveland. We haven't had one for more than 10 years now. Colleen and I did the last one. It was good and it made money and all that kind of stuff. But, but. I've gotten to the place now where when I looked at how much work I did, Colleen and I did to manage all this stuff, a committee of 15, 20 people and all the negotiations with the hotel. And it just was, wow, for that burst of 48, even 72 hours of fun. Is it really worth hundreds of hours on my part to make yep. sure this all goes okay? And some people get whatever the intrinsic thing is of, I'm very satisfied because it was a big moving parts machine and I made it all work. And I get that. But when you have a whole bunch of other things going on in your life and you're thinking, how many times am I like risking crap blowing up in my job because I had to go to an RG meeting? It makes the contrast kind of stark. Yeah. Okay. That's Here, wait, hold on. Taking it on again. Sorry. Let me let me get up on my soapbox for a moment. There we uh, go. <laughs> that, I've been involved with a lot of different volunteer organizations with 
uh, baseball and soccer with the kids and scouts and Girl Scouts and stuff. And that is the biggest problem is there's so many parts and so many working things that need coordinated that it gets very difficult for a person working with a family to do all of it. Take another the, job on. to take It, a whole it, job it very on. much is. <laughs> and then the problem is you don't get people volunteering to help. You don't get people wanting to help. They just want to a gripe and bitch about it when they think something went wrong, that they think something should have been a different way, or they think this wasn't as good as it could have been or something. And I've said many times to people like then volunteer. I used to, but I'm not anymore with so-and-so. I'm like, okay, it's like <laughs> voting. If you did not vote for the president, whichever way you voted, you have no opinion that I want to listen to. So you can't complain. Yeah. If you voted for the other guy, then maybe I can listen to you. Why you thought the other guy should have won and why you don't like this guy. Great. But if you didn't vote for anybody, shut up. If you don't help, shut up. And people are like, I'm in a wheelchair or it's hard for me to do stuff. I'm like, okay, you do not work a full-time job, but you show up at the RG, you make it to the talks, you do, you join the games. Why don't you say, I'll run the Quirkle tournament? That's all we need. We know that at one o'clock on Saturday, you're going to show up at the games room, have all the Quirkles set up because you're playing anyway and you can reach the table, you can reach the parts, you set it all up, and then the guy in charge doesn't have to worry about it. That's all we need. Then we need somebody to do the same with Dominion or Double Decks Cancellation Hearts or Wizard or whatever it is. Just, hey, I will do the Wizard Tournament Friday night or Sunday night at 10 o'clock. I will make sure we have enough decks for everybody. I'll get it all out. I'll get everybody seated and run it, and then I'll let you know who wins. Great. Check. Now the guy in charge doesn't even have to check on it. That's what people miss is if the guy in charge has to go talk to the hotel because the food wasn't right or on time. And then they have to go make sure something's set up for a talk and get the tournament started and go coordinate these people arguing and causing a problem. They can't handle all that. And then they got to listen to people for an hour bitch because they thought the room price would be lower. It's like, folks, if everyone just did a wee little bit, it would make it so much better and easier for everyone. They couldn't even get people to sit for an hour or two at the registration desk. And then I saw people complaining, nobody's at the registration desk. This wasn't well coordinated. Well, did you volunteer? You're sitting in here for an hour bitching about it. Go sit at the desk for an hour. I, boy, soapbox. <laughs> There's no volunteer organization that doesn't suffer from those kinds of things. about All of them, yeah. The complaining or the defection or the... I, boy, one of the things that Colleen and I often do is we pitch in on the spot. If we don't necessarily take a position of responsibility and authority, every time that we see a table that needs to be bust, you don't just take your stuff. You gather all the other stuff and take it to the trash or the recycling. And if you see a game that somebody left behind and they shouldn't have, they're supposed to return it to the table in alphabetical order so people <laughs> can find it again. We, we are doing those kinds of little cleanups all the time. And I'm pretty sure it's unheralded. Nobody really notices but us. But we just, this relieves pressure from all the people that are going to drop from exhaustion if they don't get a break, if someone doesn't pitch in and help them and stuff like that. We at Dayton, since I mentioned it, we somebody called us the dream team at one point. We used <laughs> to help put out Friday, Saturday night dinner, which was the biggest meal there. And because we understood enough of how food works, how to put it in the chafing dishes, what order to put things on the table so that people can serve themselves with, here's the plate and the silverware. And then you go to here and you move yourself along and flow through the room and stuff like that. And we could do all that without somebody having to monitor us or clean up after us or fix what we had done wrong. And so we did that for many years until there was like a change and they, they I don't know, we had volunteered but didn't get sure why not. And so then it's, it's okay for us to take a step back and new regimes want to do different things. I think it was actually like, it wasn't that somebody else volunteering was going to do it. It was more, we'll have the hotel do that. It's good. Everybody gets to take a break. I was, I, one Halloween is a big RG. It's the one in Chicago, yeah. 500 to 600 attendees. And one year, I was, two years in a row, I was programs chair. And that takes a ton of coordination. It's all the speakers coming in and all the things that they have who needs a with different kinds of projectors who needs who needs rope for the SM course whatever else might know actually the bnd course i should not mistake between the two and i remember like you said I'm, I'm like running down the hallway with a piano bench because somehow it wasn't with the piano that someone was going to do they had a chair and he said oh i need a real bench that's and, and someone of course has to 
talk to me, complain to me about something going on. And I kept my cool the entire weekend. And then finally, like Saturday night, about eight o'clock, run ragged, a, a, a woman named Penny. So sweet. Uh, and, and just, you look like you need a hug. I was like, oh my God, I so need a hug. I so much need to have someone talk to me without it being, go here, what's wrong? You know what I mean? And just, and she just, I, that's one of the most treasured hugs of my life. I almost started crying because it was just, someone was nice to me, not just, oh, it was so Penny Wale, wherever you are nowadays, <laughs> please know that you are in your thought. <laughs> you saved me that right. Saturday night with how crazy I was. Oh, and, well. and there's the the thing that you, know, <laughs> you get out to, to to speakers and not just for RGs is take responsibility and know what you need, have backups, have a plan and make sure whoever's in charge, you, you tell them ahead of time exactly what you need, not just assume right. and show up early enough to double check and help and make sure you get what you need. Because if you're it's 10 minutes till and you're like, oh, no, I need my screen over here and I need a bench instead of a chair. And where's my red? carpet you didn't tell us you needed that oh yeah of course i do it went not for the rgs but for our multi-gatherings here in cleveland colleen did programming and i did av support for five years in a row and it, we had a wonderful working system where she would get of course the person scheduled for the certain date she'd get from them give me some information write up a little blurb that you'd like to see in the newsletter that's going to say come and see me because i'm going to talk about turkeys i would get to them with so what av are you going to need and if you're mac or windows it's different things and i have this and meet me halfway and get there early so that we can get you set up and known to be working and then we can go have dinner and relax and, and chat with our the rest of our group instead of you're up in front of everybody trying to get things working and the whole room is just like just staring at you a little trickle of sweat coming down your right. because this should work but it's not i don't know what the fuck's wrong right. <laughs> when it's a well-oiled thing people really don't see how much work it took to get to that place yeah. but then when we try to do the handoff to our successors everybody was like wow you really figured this out you have spreadsheets that show Who's doing what and what the AV is and are you going to have handouts and all that stuff and a little bit of organization, like you were saying, goes a long way. You have that list of if someone needs to take care of it because one of us gets sick, there really is a list of you make sure that you talk to the loksex so they can greet people. You have the name tags and the pens or they can. There's all these fall between the cracks types things and right and if it don't happen people notice and and the fact that you get it running so well that they stop noticing when something hasn't happened it quality went a little bit downhill after Colleen and I stopped doing it not because we didn't have good people quality people but they didn't have the same commitment to making sure that it was all thought of beforehand you know what I mean I, I continued to do AV for a couple of years after that even after Colleen had to stop doing because she was traveling anymore and I like I had to prompt a number of times our program chair, please give me their contact information because otherwise I can't get a hold of them. And don't give it to me two days before the thing. Give it to me because if someone is a university professor, they've got things going on in their life and what they need from AV for our free talk that they're giving to us ain't at the top of their priority list. So I got to give them some lead time and maybe even write them twice all that stuff. And going back to, these are all volunteers <laughs> in a yep. fun volunteer organization. So the people running things, the people in charge are doing a job and helping you have a good time, but usually they're not paying less for the RG. They paid for the hotel room. They paid for the whole weekend. People want to gripe and complain. I paid to have fun. I didn't yeah. pay Right. Yeah. It's, I came for the boggle tournament. And of course, we don't have pencils on the table. Of course, I couldn't expect somebody to remember that. Okay, you remember, go get the damn pencils and shut up. It's relax, folks. If the biggest problem you want to bitch about is not enough pencils for a boggle tournament, you need to reevaluate your life. There are worse things going on in the world. Relax. <laughs> and I, this is, I know this is probably, if you look at the personality type charts and stuff like that, there are some people that if their name is associated with it, they're going to make sure that it goes off. There's a note of personal pride and personal yeah. responsibility and so forth. And other people, they're just like, I, I want everything to magically appear or I I'm, I'm in charge. So I get to bitch and order others around, especially in a way that like, boy, and we must have talked about this before. If you're not fully capable of doing things, some people don't get around easily. Some right. people are blind, whatever else it might be. 
I just pray to God if I ever get into that situation, that what I remain is appreciative instead of bitchy. If you really need someone to like bring you to the meeting in a car and you bitch at them while they're doing it, you might maybe you shouldn't be surprised when they say can't make it next time yes that, that acid that i had to bathe in order to help you who wants another dose of that who wants to go through that crap again so that's a little weirdness so that people in their need they get even more demanding instead of more appreciative please world don't do that you know what yeah, i mean yeah exactly Honey, better than vinegar you know what exactly. i mean exactly so, so good lord <laughs> okay so um i want to hear about this friday night show project and then i've got something i've started uh to tell you about which we want to go first so i'll do project first we'll go. so i love so progressive rock one of my favorite things is really you've never mentioned that I, we didn't know <laughs> the reason that i love it is because it's overstimulates me i love complex tricky time changing lots of keyboards and guitars music there's a lot going on it's majestic whatever else it might be in order to make that kind of music you just can't sit down with an acoustic guitar on a stool like coffeehouse type stuff you really have to be an accomplished musician to be able to play some of this stuff and oftentimes to get the big sound you're looking for you can't be a some people thomas dolby todd rundgren can do it as a one-man show other places you need the band right you need the interplay between things so it's not prog like we've also talked about we love tribute bands and mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure that a tribute band for the ramones doesn't take as much overhead as a tribute band for yes there's just right. a different level of musicality and even like the lighting for the show should be what goes with close to the edge not go not what goes with three chord rock right so there's this band called and then let me say there is a definite skill to writing three chord rock songs that people like and but it's a completely different skill than the other but neither is you and you're i'm not saying you're saying this i'm saying for the people listening that they both have their moments and reasons to listen and things you could admire in both and in fact, uh, it's funny. So I'm going to go see, we're going to see Project on Friday night. Tuesday after, we're going to see George Thorogood. Oh, I man. Contrast wow. between, I love George Thorogood. He writes, he does perfect bar band, yeah. blue-faced rock and roll. Nobody else does it as good as him, but it sure isn't what we're going to go see with Project, which is hearing people who can play the best of Yes and Genesis yeah. and King Crimson and Gentle Giant and all these other bands yeah. where... Man, the, the amount of practice that you have to do to be able to be one of these oh, songs, well, yeah. it's a commitment yeah. to be able to pull off playing Kansas, Carry On, Wayward Son. Some of these songs are tricky. Some yeah, of you've, <laughs> you've seen them before, right? You've been to yes. see Yeah. Exactly. There's a band local called Prog Nation that's pretty good, but Project are actually a national act, and they have a little bit of a rotating cast of characters because many of them work in other bands, and when that band is touring, that takes precedence. So you got Ryo Akimoto, who is like the keyboardist for Spock's Beard. One of those like funniest names ever, but boy, do they great make... I have certain albums of theirs that have really become the ones that when I don't know what else I want to listen to, I put on Beware of Darkness. I put on... Like, they're just wonderful and complex and and good lyrics and that kind of stuff the guy named jonathan mover who used to be the drummer for marillion at one point and if you can do that kind of music as the drummer you really are polyrhythmic you really know what you're doing mike keneally the guitarist and actually multi-instrumentalist one of these guys that's played with frank zappa which means you've got the chops yeah that didn't suffer any fools he had nothing but the best in his band and i'm sorry the other guys michael sadler from saga is often lead vocalist and multi-instrumentalist and why, why i'm not thinking of the bassist is bothering me because i don't mean to de denigrate yes the bass but, man <laughs> see, and that's funny but because they're so solid and they're not the flashy guy up front maybe that's why anyway sorry I'll, it'll come to me hopefully as we continue talking and so one of the interesting things about them is that if you go to see a yes show you're going to hear all yes music and in fact bands have done a lot of we're going to play the entire fragile album in its entirety and this that'll be so cool i've listened to that album all the time but to see it live with a little bit of vamping and a little bit of difference it'll be wonderful todd rungren that's has a great album half a dozen of his albums hearing a wizard a true star live was like oh my god i'm i'm, I'm gonna fall over because i'm just so happy right now um so these guys not only play any individual band's music but you hear the best of pink floyd the best of genesis we're going to hear yeah. first of fifth we're going to we're going to hear maybe supper's ready by genesis and like supper's ready is a, is a whole album side it's like right. a 25 minute song and so 
we're going it, to, it's not, you're not sure what you're going to hear. And so instead of it being, I got an idea when I hear, yes, what I want to hear from them. And here's hoping that of all their albums, I'll hear the, the good stuff, the right stuff with these guys. Every single time you see him, it's like, oh, I didn't know. Todd Rundgren has talked about the concept of the orphan song that sometimes right. really songs don't have the band around anymore. So at one point they played Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider. What a great tune. Yeah. Like, the tune. minute you start into that song, you get that whole, oh, yeah, I can't believe. Yes, because because Tom Cockman is solo now. And I don't know if he's doing that anymore, but you know what I'm trying to say? There's so many wonderful surprises while you're seeing this that I walk out of there. I'm drenched with sweat. Hands are sore from playing air keyboards on the back of the seat in front of me. You know what I mean? My my buddy Reese, (laughs) my buddy Reese used to rate bands uh, on how great he thought they were as in what they played live. He's because he says, I hate getting a band, even one that's been around forever and has lots of albums where they put out an album and you go to the concert and they play one or two songs on the album and you never hear any of their songs live. He's like, I go to a live show because I want to see them live. And we've talked about that. A lot of times they, older bands will say, well, here's off our new album. And we're like, don't want to hear that. You know? <laughs> the whole crowd is, yeah. yeah. Right. Right. But Reese's point was, if you can't make a good song to record on an album and play live, why are you recording that song? Yeah. And I could see that point, but I'm like, sometimes there's songs that are great on albums but if i didn't hear them live okay but so there's some debate on that but that was his criteria for a long time once in a while bands will actually announce like for the tour there's going to be a lot of deep cuts this is for the real fans this is not the radio friend weird al did last time weird al did jethro tull has done that any number of bands and they'll even they'll say okay We'll do radio friendly. Then we're going to do a couple of things that are very self-indulgent, but that we love doing. And then if you're a real fan, you're like, oh, they've never played this live before. At least they played it live 20 years ago. Thanks for dusting that off, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, unless the band really does throughout bad song choice, I'm usually satisfied with throw a couple of new things or a couple of obscurities in there. And in fact, way back when I was making the transition from vinyl to CDs, most often what I bought were not CDs that were just a, a copy of the vinyl. It was the box sets where they were coming out with, here's all the B-sides and rarities. Here's all the live cuts. So the very first thing I got was like the 30th anniversary of Death Row Tull. And it was like, there were none of what I had heard before. It was the Chateau de Marmont tapes, which had been like abandoned in order to finish Passion Play instead. It was all kinds of live stuff from like Carnegie Hall. It was just an amazing amount of, I didn't know there was this much tullish music that could still come out. Most of the time, there's one or two cuts that might come out on a an extended CD at some point. That's a whole different thing nowadays. But I was just so happy to be like, I just got like a four-hour burst of extra Jethro Tull. Who could have imagined? You know, right. kind of and so that's what I bought a lot of when they were first putting out the all those uh, box sets with the the libretto where we were. Here's some pictures from when we were young and that kind of stuff. And then. Only after I realized, wow, it's been too long since I heard a lot of older ELP or Genesis or Yes, because once you go to CDs, they're so convenient that you stop playing the vinyl. And it's, I just need to hear this. I need to have all my ELP catalog because there's really, I want to be able to play pictures at an exhibition that will not. Yeah. It, it, that was subject. That's what I really love is that we're going to hear an incredible variety of stuff and not know what's going to happen. That wonderful surprise is a big part of shows from them. So Nice. Yeah, yeah. That, and I know you've talked about it in the past and, and how much you enjoy going to those. So that'll be yeah. cool. I'm going to have to start bugging you. Like, hey, what shows, what concerts coming up? And, and start going to a few of these because I'm like, oh, man. But I probably couldn't have gone this Friday anyway. I got an author I, event early Saturday morning. I should start once in a while on a Facebook thing. I should just put a little tickler out there. Yeah. I really don't want to coordinate getting tickets together because it's a hassle. We already bought them. Yeah. I, we can dinner beforehand, but I really should start announcing these things because there are some things that, because we see some relatively obscure things, that it'd be okay to say, by the way, we're going to go see, let's see, we also have Jim Gaffigan coming up. We have oh. Paula Poundstone. And we Our tastes are not only music, but comedy and stuff. And it'd be just as I glance at the calendar, let's see. We're going to go to a thing. You already told you about the book Freakonomics. Yes, we talked about they're, that. They're wonderful about how to apply science to everything in the world, pretty much. How do things really work? Where's the money really made? What's the numbers that are really behind this? And I don't think both. One of the authors is going to be doing a Freakonomics discussion at an idea stream thing that's sponsored by a university. And I don't know, most people aren't necessarily like, 
big fans of Freakonomics, but the ones who are would love to know about this. So folks, if you're not doing anything October 3rd in Cleveland, this Freakonomics panel discussion is going to be just like somebody who you admire for being the cool guy that has these thoughts and does the research and, and is, is a good public speaker and stuff like that. Come join us at the Freakonomics discussion. Nice, yeah. <laughs> and, and same for you. When you're looking at going to, what if we met, I, I went to Def Leppard and stuff and say, well, if I would have known about that show in time, I would have joined you. We'll have to start cross-pollinating here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I, I think we can agree. We're probably not going to uh, go back to first snow, unfortunately. <laughs> right, and actually they're coming to Cleveland. I was like, if it I, and, and unfortunately, it's not like December. It's something like October. So it's wow, Christmas music too early. Yeah, it was not as good as TSO. And, and again, <laughs> I felt so disappointed because the year before was fantastic. And we've yeah. talked about that. And actually, this segues into what I was going to tell you. Music is very subjective on what you like, what sounds good to you, but it also is very difficult. You can teach somebody how to play an instrument. You can teach notes. You can teach chords. You can, I know people that could play immaculate and, and perfect, but there's some soul and some heart that you cannot teach that it either clicks and you get it or you don't. And if you don't, people can hear it, but not know why they're not enjoying it. Right. It's perfect, but robotic perfect, not soulful perfect. Yeah. Right? And, and I, yeah. I've, I've been to some stuff out with the kids when they were younger, like the Streetsboro family days and stuff where bands were playing. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? This band is hitting all the right notes and they're boring as all get out. It just doesn't, it's rock and roll and it doesn't sound, rock and roll's got something to it, but you value them. Did they hit the right notes? Yeah. Did they play the right chords? Yep. Were they in tune? Yep. Was the timing good? Yep. So <laughs> uh, I've taught, been talking about this for a while. So I used to play music a lot and I was way better right. than I am now. My skills have degraded. And for the past couple of years, I've just been wanting to get back into it more, but I don't really have time for a band or joining a pit crew in a play or something, which I would love to do. I just know I don't have the time to devote to that. That would be my thing instead of anything else. Okay. But I've wanted to play. And you know, I've been playing rock band. I've been playing the Rocksmith on the computer and playing with that and stuff. Oh, I've never heard of that before. Rocksmith. Okay. Yes. You can get it on Steam. It, it's supposed to help teach you guitar, real notes. It was an answer to rock band. Not the <laughs> tapping on the. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's a little more difficult because they don't teach you to read. You still have to look at the colored notes like rock band. And I'm like, okay. just get, teach me how to read notes. And so I've been keeping my eye on this website service called Drumio, and it's a uh, online lessons, on online teaching videos and courses, and you can connect occasionally with a coach. If I have a paid subscription, you get so much time, that type of thing. And I'm going to keep my eye on it and thinking about it. I'm like, that would motivate me. If I'm paying for a year, I'm going to go do it. Besides, when you pay, then it's a different thing. Exactly. Right. Money's worth. Okay. And I've been looking at some other ones with piano. There's some good ones and I, they have sales at times. I saw a couple this past weekend had a sale. But the Drumeo one seems to be very popular, or at least they have the best marketing, if nothing else. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then I was reading about more about it because you go check it out and then you think about it. You're like, let me get more information. You're trying to talk yourself into it. And I found out that they have a related piano and guitario, along with singer note or whatever, right. website. So they have four different ones, guitar, drums, piano, and singing. All right. When you buy a subscription, you get all of them. It's not individual. And I'm like, okay. That might well, tip it for you. Okay. It, it so did because that <laughs> made a year I could do guitar, piano, and drums, which are the three instruments I'm working on trying to get better at. They don't have bass, uh, but I can do that. And I told Colin, I said, I don't need to go sit at a lesson with somebody. I've had lessons. I know music. I just need refresher. I need to get okay. so I, I regular practice regular participation and right you know, yeah. and, and this is perfect for me because i was always one of those kids in school I, i'm bored with the teacher because i've already read this chapter i already understand the chapter and i'm yeah. bored you're not teaching yeah. me anything so <laughs> having a video i know how to set up my drums i know how to play i just need something to guide me to another level and i know chords but i need to play a little bit and this is more to keep me going. So I signed up. I boom. Okay, there. I'm signed up because you. yesterday yeah. they started uh, for the drums, a 30-day drum course, 
which every day they have some new thing. You progress uh, on your own new instruction. But even better, the piano one had a 30-day blues class. So they're teaching you blues, teaching you scales and stuff, which I know the 12-bar blues. I know the chords. But I learned something on the very first day that had never been taught, shown. I had run across or maybe I'd forgotten, but they were, were showing the different scales, pentatonic and things like that, which I know, but then they were like, here's how they fit into the blues. And I went, oh, that's why we learned that way. I'm like, now, it, and I'm playing, I'm like, oh my God, I sound like I'm playing the blues already. Okay. Congratulations. Well, yeah. Great. So that's that my thing great. for the next year. <laughs> okay. I, you're inspiring me. I have keyboardy type things around in the house and I haven't taken the cover off my, I have a Casio CZ1, which, you know, Casio, not the little thing like Nicely this, programmable though. Exactly. That program, it was the first one to have wavetables so that you really do have instruments that sound like instruments and all that kind of stuff. And I just haven't done anything with it since moving into this house. So 20 years. And I so much want to get a little amp, hook it up and just have Colleen suddenly hear me attempting various different things I used to be able to play and have well, what's going on up there i would i really have i think i've told you i have incredible stage fright about this because i so much want to be better than i am and so much of the music that i like playing like i just talked about with all my progressive rock it's not playing chopsticks it's playing flight of the bumblebee it's good stuff and maybe a little bit of practice a little bit of returning to that it, it absolutely is a flow activity we've talked about this before when i used to go to the music club i used to get time at the music lab at U of I from two to six in the morning when nobody else wanted it. So they let me do it. And and how many times it was like dawn, 536 in the morning when I came to, because while I was doing it, it it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. It absorbs your time. It takes you to a different place. It's like energizing instead of draining. It's, I just miss it terribly. And I've not had it anywhere near as immersively and intensely as I had in college and good Lord, that's 40 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean? That's a really oh, great oh, thing oh, about oh. these online courses and stuff. They're, they're, they're for some people and not others. Some people really do need a physical human, giving them feedback and somebody to interact with that videos yeah. just don't work for them. They oh. work great for me. They work better sometimes because I can progress at my own pace. If I go to a lesson with a teacher, you, okay, here's your assignment for the next week. Okay. You know, now I feel like I'm almost being held back. And these are 10 minutes a day with a new addition to your previous lesson. So we taught you this yeah, basic chord. Yeah. I, I, one of the things I have loved in my lifetime, things have gotten better about, they understand the science of education. They understand how reinforcement with, with slight new additions and the right amount of time and how you put yourself in the right frame of mind, that it's not only just practice until you're good and bludgeoning it into you. They really understand for languages, for music, for all kinds of things. This is the way to learn how to eat better. This is the way to learn how to be a public speaker. And, yeah. and I, I'm like, I feel foolish for not taking advantage of that. So I'm pretty good at a couple of things, but there's all manner of new skills I'd love to learn. And now I know that it's not just, I'm going to read a book about how to make pottery. No, watch a video and go to someone and, and learn about it. Is a, it's a whole different world of availability for every time that I work on something around the house, I watch a, a video first on it so that I can be like, so... That is much like my garage door. And now I know what to do, what to think about while I'm doing it, what to worry about so I don't make a mistake and any number of other things, whether it's electric or plumbing or furniture repair. I don't know that I ever intended to be a turner who was going to make my own table legs and stuff like that, but just to understand the different kinds of woods and materials. And like I said, what you should be thinking about while you're doing this, you're testing I, it and you're, don't crack it. You got to, yeah, this thing, you got to force this thing, you got a baby. And I just, I love hearing especially people often, they're not university professors, they're tradesmen who like, if they know how to fix a car, they learn that often by apprenticing and, and uh, the hard way, if you will. But they're really good at explaining those kinds of things because it's elemental to them. It's not, I don't know, highfalutin. It's very practical. Right. And I like right. that too. So yeah. good for on the music thing. So, Maybe I should do this too. The cool thing <laughs> is the blues one just started yesterday. Okay. And well, the year-long course is 240 bucks, which if you break that down to $20 a week for lessons, that's only a couple months of lessons. And, and you could do this 
at your own pace, as many videos as you want, go through various things. It's perfect for me because like I said, I've had lessons. I've played in bands. I've held these instruments on stage playing music. So yeah. I just need that open back up. I need to you know, brush my skills up. But this blue 30 day blues is just for 30 days. And I think it's $90 if you want to just do that. And okay. then it's every day you get some instruction and you progress and all that. And it's, of course, they're doing it because they want you to then go, now I'm going to do the whole year thing and get way more. That's what they want. Yeah. But if you're just wanting, if you're one of those people like, you know what? I've never learned how to play music. I've never done this, but I've always wanted to. Heck, in 30 days for a hundred bucks, you can play some blues you know, a bit. You can yeah. try it. And yeah. see, that's another thing. And Colleen and I actually talked about this. So we're both retired now and being able to just say, I always wondered whether I think mosaics are beautiful. Could I make my own mosaics? What does it cost to learn how to do it? What does it cost to get the materials, how to do it? And so it's, wow, for a hundred bucks, I could give it a shot. Right. And like, don't like it. If it doesn't, satisfy you in the way that you thought or fascinate you or whatever all you did was a hundred bucks it wasn't like hey i bought a, a speedboat to see if i'd be able to drive a speedboat that's twenty thousand dollar mistake later maybe you're not the speedboat guy so there's all kinds of things that you can dabble in you know what i mean in all these ways that we're talking yeah. about and i just i'm ready to be that guy instead of being i have to be accomplished in everything that i do it'd be fun to just to have maybe i want to knit maybe i want to do needlepoint you know what I mean? All those things that went back when my, my parents, actually, that's one of the few things when I said, I really like patterns and stuff like that. So maybe I should learn to knit. And before Rosie Greer was around, if you were a guy knitting, you were like, oh, God, please, son, don't do that. Yeah, you know, today's world's way different. Fully, you know what I mean? You're just not. And so I didn't. I never learned. But I always thought it'd be cool to be like I, I, the same concept, if you will, as origami from the simplest things in the world, skeins of yarn and knitting needles, you can make mittens you can make a scarf a doctor who scarf that's 10 feet long and i like i love that idea of baking or like the elemental thing of taking the simplest things and making into something beautiful and complex and interesting so maybe you know i i'm i'm 64 maybe 65 is what i declare don't care anymore about what people's opinion about me knitting is and today i knit if that's something right. I, I have all kinds of friends and that i have too many yarns and yet i can't get rid of anything and so, oh that's all i need is to have another 40. another collection that's all i need is another collection because this orange is not quite the same as the other three oranges I, that i already have. i will say you'll probably hit a <laughs> limit for colleen at some point <laughs> we are not talking quite swedish death cleaning but we are actually working on the house that's going to be like now that we have our living room back uh, the dining room really and we have the dining room table and we did a jigsaw puzzle on and that kind of stuff nice. we're trying to not let it be oh great let's start putting things on the table let's start putting things around the table we're trying to make it that the places that you know our kitchen and our bathroom and now each place that we take on get it working better and then don't let it deteriorate so nice. up here in skynet it's really me it's just things stacked on top of things in a safe way nothing's going to topple over but i really do have too much stuff and it isn't all A to Z in the CD racks. I've accumulated so many CDs over the course of being here for, I probably had them all organized until 10 years ago. And then I stopped. I stopped making sure because it was a big thing. To, okay, if I put the A in here, all these things have to move down to make room for it. And then if you don't leave gaps in between things and a whole bunch of stuff has to move, I'm going to keep the new ones that I get in alphabetical order and now i have to check two places if i want to check the right. big collection or the new collection and that's still not it's cluttered and i really don't want clutter i want collections me so too yep. we're working on that you know what i mean i got books on the stairs on the staircase that are all the i read it and then before i boxed it or put it away i put it here but then when that starts to be 10 tall on each stair it's like right. well, it's a testament to how much i read but it ain't the best way to have our house you right. know what i mean yep. so, so that too. Yeah. <laughs> all right well hey i have to jump off for a meeting so Not a, okay i'm glad you had a great weekend we did too, you too. As, as usual we have a whole bunch of things we'll talk about next time there we yep. go yeah Thanks. i have an author event saturday so we'll see how that goes it's one of the first setting up at a table with lots of other authors so we'll see how that goes um here in cleveland or down logan books 
Very good. Okay. I, you know, let's see. What do I have Saturday? We're gonna, we were going to go to the Waterloo Arts Festival that day. Barry is also well, within driving distance. So it, it, cool. Logan Barry's a cool bookstore. The authors are mostly going to be children. So you probably won't feel like you have to get too many of them because that's, that's not so, your reading. It's <laughs> a part of being in support. Like I went to John Burning when he was at, maybe it was even Logan Barry, but it was like, if I know about it, it seems such a shame to not go there and just say, I love your books. I love you. Hey, everybody, buy a book. This guy is great. You know what I mean? I I need to do that. So very good. Take care. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, relentlessgeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.